0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: This is Pastor Stuart McClellan from the Altoona Bible Church greeting you. The warm-hearted church with a heartwarming message, the family church. In light of the coronavirus pandemic, we will be bringing you a special Resurrection Sunday service. Sing with us, pray with us, and follow the message in God's Word. This morning is not Easter Sunday, but Resurrection Sunday. This is the day that Bible-believing Christians throughout the world celebrate the bodily resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ and His victory over death. As a community, a county, a state, a country, as the world, together we battle the coronavirus pandemic. There is the hope, the Christian hope of the gospel and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly may the truth of God's Word The truth of the gospel, the truth of the bodily resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ, bring us true joy, true hope, true peace, and true comfort during these difficult times. The choir will open our service by singing, Christ the Lord is risen today. And now John Harris will come and sing My Redeemer.
0: To life has brought us Son of God with Him to be I will sing, sing of my Redeemer With His blood He has purchased me On the cross Jesus sealed my pardon He paid the debt and
2: set me free
0: slain, for His blood can wash away our stain. Singing glory, glory to His name, for His blood can wash away. We will praise the Lamb for sinner slain,
2: for His blood. can
0: Me on the cross, Jesus sealed my pardon. He paid the debt and set me free. I will sing, sing of my redeemer with his blood. He has purchased me on the cross. Jesus sealed my pardon. He paid the debt and set me free, He paid the debt and set me free, Jesus paid the debt and set us free.
1: We now have Jesse Nagel playing in the flute this beautiful number, the old rugged cross. Here now is John Harris, Joshua and Stephanie McClelland, and Jeremy Hetrick singing Lift Up the Cross.
0: we might have eternal Sing the Lord. And the power of the cross is in the sinless blood that falls. God calls again. the cross, lift up the cross, till every eye has seen the Lamb of Calvary. Lift up the cross, lift up the cross, exalt the Son of God who died, take up His cross and lift it high. Till every eye has seen the Lord, till every eye has seen the Lord.
1: Now Sharon Reynolds will be singing Via Delarosa. Here is Buddy Han and Jeremy Hetrick playing on the trumpets, my savior's love medley. I want to thank all our musicians and singers for providing us with such beautiful and Christ-centered music. Our sermon topic is the Resurrection Gospel, 1 Corinthians fifteen three and 4. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The pure, unadulterated gospel, the grace of God, is clearly under spiritual attack. By the gospel, the grace of God, I mean salvation by grace alone through faith. So many despise the salvation message of faith alone in the finished work of Christ. They might despise it for various reasons. They don't understand the nature of the true gospel or of God's grace. They don't understand that there is more than one gospel. They might think that it's too easy. But what does the Bible teach? And some of these individuals want to go to the Bible and say, this is a gospel here, and this is our gospel, and this is what it says. But they're not rightly dividing the word of truth. What does the word of God rightly divide us, teach us concerning the true gospel, the resurrection gospel? By way of definition, many of you know, but we need to emphasize, the word gospel, it simply means good news. And the word gospel, got to look to the context, is not always equivalent to the salvation gospel. Luke chapter 2, verse number 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. At the birth of Christ, the angel revealed and said, I bring you good tidings of great joy. The words good tidings is the verb for the word gospel. The angel brought the good tidings, the good news of the gospel of the birth of Christ. But the angel did not say anything about his coming death, shed blood, or his resurrection. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse number 6. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us... And brought us good tidings of your faith and charity that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. According to Acts seventeen, eighteen, and we can study and see the travels of the Apostle Paul from Thessalonica to Berea, to Athens, to Corinth. Literally, when the Apostle Paul is the city of Corinth, possibly at that moment writing the God-given, inspired epistle to the Thessalonians, so concerned about the Thessalonian believers, what was going on there in the city of Thessalonica. Timothy comes to Corinth and brings him the news, the good news, the gospel about the Thessalonian believers. And look at how this good news encouraged the Apostle Paul. 1 Thessalonians 3, 7, Therefore, brethren, We were comforted over you in all of our afflictions and distresses by your faith. And that good news that Timothy brought to Paul wasn't a saving gospel. It was a good news concerning the Thessalonian believers. And that had a direct impact on what Paul was enduring at the city of Corinth. And he took comfort and he was encouraged through that. Also, we need to understand the various gospels. There is more than one gospel in the Word of God. Here's a list of some of the various gospels. You have the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the circumcision, the gospel of the uncircumcision, Galatians chapter 2, the gospel of the grace of God, my, my gospel. Let's show you and give you examples of these different gospels. Let's compare Matthew twenty four fourteen, 14, and we're going to get back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 3 and 4, the resurrection gospel. As we celebrate the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ, those verses of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 are so vital, so important. In Matthew 24, verse 14, we read these words. And this is the gospel of the kingdom. Shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Listen to these words. And then shall the end come. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, verse 23 if you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you've heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Now listen, compare these verses. Compare the statement according to Matthew twenty four fourteen: the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world and then shall the end come. And according to Colossians: 123, the Apostle Paul preached the gospel to every creature which is under heaven. Question: If the Bible is the inerrant, infallible, preserved word of God, why didn't the end come? Answer. Because the gospel of the kingdom is not the same gospel, the same message which the Apostle Paul preached. And you can only answer that question by confessing it, acknowledging that there is more than one gospel, more than one good news in the Bible. Let's compare Mark chapter 16 verses 15 verse 16 with Ephesians two eight nine. The Lord Jesus Christ said, and he said to them, Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Over in Ephesians 4, 4, and 4, 5, we know there's only one baptism. The Lord Jesus Christ spoke the words of Mark 16, 15, and 16 during his 40-day Bible conference with his disciples before his ascension to heaven. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which was spoken later, does not include water baptism for salvation. How? Question. How can you reconcile these two Bible verses? Answer, they're not the same message. They're not the same gospel. The true gospel. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians fifteen three and 4. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried and he rose again. The third day according to scriptures. The true gospel. Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. And we want to look at those three verbs. Died, buried, and rose again. The Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins. He died for the sins of the whole world. The gospel of reconciliation is available for all to believe. The verb died is in the aorist tense, in the act of voice, in the original Greek language. You might say, what does that mean? Well, the aorist tense means completed action, point in time. And the act of voice, you know that from our English language. The act of voice means the subject of the sentence, the subject of the sentence, the Lord Jesus Christ produced the action of the verb. The Lord Jesus Christ died willingly for the sins of the whole world. John chapter 10, verse 18. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down to myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. John 15, verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Also think of the book of Revelation, chapter 5. And look down there, verses 6 and 7 and 8. That he will he died for us. He died for the ungodly. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ willingly dies for the sins. For the sins of the whole world. For your sin, for my sin. The Lord Jesus Christ was buried. The verb buried in the Greek language, again, is in the aorist tense. This time in the passive voice. Again, the aorist tense means completed action point in time. The passive voice means the subject of the sentence receives the action of the verb and does not produce the action. The verb for buried is used 11 times in the Greek New Testament. It's always used of a literal burial. Historically, following the death of Christ, the body of Christ was buried in a sepulcher by Joseph, Arimathea, and Nicodemus. John chapter number 19, verses 38 to 42. Let me reemphasize something. Lord Jesus Christ's body was placed in a sepulcher by Joseph and Nicodemus. His body was not buried in the ground like we bury the deceased today, but rather his body was placed, buried in a sepulcher ground level. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized in Jesus Christ? We're baptized in His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism to death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Why do I mention that? Do you ever hear an individual use Romans 6, 3 and 4? to say and teach that this is water baptism and that water baptism is such a beautiful picture or illustration of our Lord's resurrection. A person then is immersed in water and raised like Christ was raised. The Lord Jesus Christ was not buried in water. The Lord Jesus Christ was not buried in the ground. He was buried and in placed in a sepulcher. Romans six three and four is not a reference to a water baptism, but rather the Holy Spirit baptizing us into the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Cross references 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. I would encourage you to look at these verses of Scripture. Galatians three twenty seven, Colossians two twelve, Ephesians 4, 5, One baptism. The Lord Jesus Christ rose again. The verb raised in the Greek language is not the aorist tense in this verse of Scripture, it is the perfect tense in the passive voice. Again, the passive voice means the subject of the sentence receives the action of the verb and does not produce it. The Lord Jesus Christ was raised by God the Father. The perfect tense describes an action, or more correctly, a process that took place and the result of which have continued to the present. In fact, in the English language, there is no equivalent of this. Let me re-emphasize: The perfect tense describes something that took place in the past, and the result have continued to the present. Do you understand what that is saying and emphasizing? The Lord Jesus Christ was raised in the past, and He is still raised, He is still resurrected today. The Lord Jesus Christ rose at a point in time and continues in His risen state. The Word of God is so wonderful. It's so beautiful. It is truly the inerrant, infallible, preserved Word of God. Why did God change the tense here? Both died and buried are in the heiress tense. But the verb rose again is the perfect tense. Because in this verse of Scripture, the Bible verse is emphasizing the complete victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ died once. He was buried and he rose again, never to die again. He had a complete victory over death. He received a glorified body, think about this, never to die again. Why is that significant and important? Because believers are going to receive a glorified body. These temporal, earthly bodies will be changed and fashioned like the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, and it will never die again. Now think about the Apostle Paul's message, his first message on his first missionary-apostolic journey in Antioch of Pisidia. In Acts thirteen twenty eight and 29, the emphasis he talks upon, his death, his burial. Verses 28 and 29. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they piled that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from a tree, from the tree, the cross, and laid him in a sepulcher. Then verses 30 to 37 is about his resurrection. Verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. Verse number 32 We declare unto you the glad tidings of the promise which was made unto the fathers. Verse 33 God hath fulfilled the same unto their children, and he raised up Jesus again, as it is written in the second psalm Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. What day? His resurrection day. Verse 34. As concerned that he raised him from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said to the wise, I give you the sure mercies of David. Verse 35, listen to this. Wherefore he said also another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Psalm 16, verse 36. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was laid into his father's, and he saw corruption. His body saw corruption. Verse 37, But he, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, whom God raised again, saw no corruption, because three days, three nights, resurrection. His body did not go through that. And he was resurrected. And he given a glorified body. Why is it so imperative to believe and confess in the death of Christ, or in his burial, or in his bodily resurrection? In the 21st century, there are individuals and religions which teach that the Lord Jesus Christ never really died on the cross. There there are groups who are trying to say he he never really died. So therefore he never was really raised. And he was not bodily resurrected. He was not dead when he was placed in the sepulchre, some teach. But later he regained his strength because he was in a cool sepulchre. He escaped from the sepulchre and later presented himself to disciples as having been resurrected. What about the testimony of the Roman guards? What about those guards who were there when he was crucified? Read John 19. I'll read verse 33. In fact, if you remember, the Pharisees did not want the body of Christ to be on the tree, on the cross overnight, because they know the land would be defiled. So they go to Pilate and they ask him that they break the legs. And they break the legs of the two thieves on the left and right hand side of Christ. But when they came to Christ, they did not break his leg, that the scripture would be fulfilled. Going back to Exodus chapter 12 with the Passover lamb. John nineteen thirty three says, When they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. They saw that he was already dead. And normally you do not die from Roman crucifixion within six hours. But what we see here is the Lord Jesus Christ willingly gave up his life for us. What about the testimony of Pilate? Mark 15, says, And Pilate marveled that if he were already dead, and calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been any while dead. He, he, he marveled, because he you don't die within six hours. Joseph of was going to beg, and beg for the body of Christ. He craved for the body of Christ, that he would bury the body of Christ. Not what Rome would have done, they would have just discarded the body. And Pilate is marvels, he, he's dumbfounded that he was already dead. He has to check to make sure that he had already been dead, he was dead. What about the testimony of the 16, not not two guards, 16 of Roman guards? Roman's finest military fighting machine. They were placed there through the intervention of the Pharisees with Pilate. Why are they even there? The the first night, the the sepulcher where Christ was laid was not guarded. Read John 19. Read the Word of God. Read the account. Read Matthew. In Matthew chapter 27, they're going to go, they're going to go. And they're going to go to Pilate and say, we, we need, we need because of what he said, they, they remembered. Amazingly, these unbelieving Pharisees, these God-hating, Lord Jesus Christ-hating Pharisees, remember what he said. His own disciples didn't. Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse number 64, Command, therefore, the sepulcher made sure to the third day. Lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people that he's risen from the dead so the last error shall be worse than the first. Verse 65, Pilate said to them, You have a watch. Go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and they made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. And that watch would have been 16 of Rome's finest military soldiers. And when they sealed the stone, By the way, that word sealing is the same word that appears over in Ephesians chapter 1 where we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, God's promise to us and God's down payment of the Holy Spirit and that we're sealed in the day of redemption. Same word. The sealing of the stone meant that now that this piece of property... The body of Christ, that sepulchre, is under the authority of Rome. And if those disciples would have come by night and tried to steal the body while the Roman soldiers were there, what would they have been met with? They would have been met with the wrath of those Roman soldiers. And the sealing of the stone is definite proof that the body of Christ was inside that sepulchre. All those statements and corresponding Bible verses point to one simple, profound, biblical truth. The Lord Jesus Christ was bodily resurrected. Our salvation is not based on the life of Christ. Our salvation is not based upon His teachings. Our salvation is based upon His shed blood, His death, his burial, and his resurrection. I'd like to read to you two quotes from two theologians dealing with the blood of Christ. The first one is by C.H.M. McIntosh. I would desire to call my reader's earnest attention to the precious and vital doctrine of the blood. I am anxious that he should see its true place. The blood of Christ is the foundation of everything. Everything. It is the ground of God's righteousness in justifying an ungodly sinner that believes on the name of the Son of God. I find the blood of Christ put forth as the alone ground of righteousness. We get peace, pardon, life, righteousness all by the blood. And nothing but the blood. And we see that based on Romans chapter 3. Sir Robert Anderson said, The great marvel of the gospel... The great triumph of redemption is that God can declare to be righteous those who are personally not righteous. That's justification. That he can justify the sinner, not as deeming him a law keeper, but while he judges him a law breaker. It is not by being justified by his life on earth we're saved, it is by his bloodshedding. And if you think of Paul's first address, his first address to the believers and to the city of Antioch of Pisidia, when he goes on his first missionary journey, we read to you and showed you the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. I'd like to read to you Acts chapter 13, verses 38 and 39. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren... That through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, by him, all that believe are justified. The word justified means to be declared righteous from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. And that is what Sir Robert Anderson was emphasizing. When he said, It is not being justified by his life on earth, we're saved by his shedding of blood. It's not the great triumph of redemption is that God can declare to be righteous those who are personally not righteous. He can justify the sinner not as deeming him a law keeper, but while he judges him a law breaker. And the word "justified" means to be declared righteous. It doesn't make us personally righteous. We're to follow righteous. This is our position before God. And you notice again in verse 39, and by him all of that belief are justified from all things. You might say, well, doesn't this contradict the Lord's words in Mark 16, 15, and 16? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. There would be some who would say, you've got to believe, but you have to be baptized for salvation. Paul doesn't mention that in Acts 13. Why not? Because the messages are different. There's more than one gospel in the Word of God. That's why you had the issue of the gospel of the kingdom. That's the good news of a coming king, the Lord Jesus Christ setting up the kingdom. The resurrection gospel is first Corinthians fifteen, three and four. He died, he was buried, he rose again. And I think of the great hymn Christ arose. Stands one says, low in the grave he laid Jesus my Savior. Waiting for the coming day, Jesus my Lord. The second stanza. Vainly they watched his bed, Jesus my Savior. Vainly they sealed the dead, Jesus my Lord. The third stanza. Death cannot keep his prey, Jesus my Savior. He tore the bars away, Jesus my Lord. And then that wonderful chorus. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with the saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. Romans chapter 4 verses 23 to verse 25. And now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed if... If we believe on him that raised us, Jesus our Lord, from the dead. Who, speaking of Jesus our Lord, was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification again. Do you notice in verse 24? If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. There's no mention. Belief in water baptism equals salvation. Again, I remind you, the words of Mark... And, and it might just add something. And you might say, well, Lord Jesus Christ, those are Lord Jesus Christ's words. Absolutely. Do, we, do I believe in the doctrine of inspiration of Scripture? Absolutely. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And again, that Greek word means God breathed. It's not talking about that it inspires us to do something. That's correct. It means that it's God breathed. That these words come from the very source of God. They're not man's words. Where do the liberals usually project and try to portray the Bible as? A bunch of words that these men wrote up and they just wrote and they created this Christ and they created this religion, Christianity, and we're to believe this and it's really man's No, these are God's words. Matthew 4, it's the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. The issue of, and the doctrine of inspiration than the doctrine of preservation. God preserved His Word. We're in the 21st century. We have access to God's words today. The Bible, why? Because God watched over it. Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7. And yes, verbal, plenary, inspiration, but also what you realize is there's no part of the Bible more inspired than the others. I understand those are the words of Christ. But you had the words of Christ during His earthly ministry. Then you have the words of Christ during that 40 days from his resurrection but before his ascension and he taught his disciples and if you read Acts chapter 1 verse 3 he taught them concerning the kingdom of God not about the church, the body of Christ and then we see the words of the risen and glorified Lord Jesus Christ that revealed the apostle Paul 1 Timothy chapter 6 so there's no part of the Bible more inspired than the other it's all equally inspired. What we need to do is study it, understand it, rightly divide. it. And when you do, there's a difference between Mark sixteen fifteen and sixteen in Acts thirteen thirty eight and thirty nine in Romans chapter four verse twenty four and verse twenty five. First Corinthians fifteen nineteen says, "If in this life only, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable." If the Christian hope is only defined and limited to the parameters of life here in this world, we are of all men most miserable. Resurrection Sunday. The bodily resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ, the true Christian hope. Because the Lord was raised. Listen to these words. This is based on 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 and following. Read those verses of Scripture. And remember, the Corinthians were believing the gospel, they were getting saved. A church was established at Corinth, but they did not understand their own personal resurrection. Because the Lord Jesus Christ was raised, all true believers will be raised. And because all true believers will be raised at the rapture of the church, the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, 51-54 then the Lord Jesus Christ was raised. Do you understand that? His resurrection is connected to our resurrection. Anytime you share the gospel with an individual and and talk about the resurrection of Christ, you are also talking of your own resurrection. So as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, we are also rejoicing that Christ was raised. He had victory over death. But that also then helps us understand that we have a future hope. Because the Bible in 1 Corinthians 15 talks about the corruptible putting on the incorruption, the mortal, that which is subject to death, putting on the immortality, not subject to death. And we know what this world has been through these last several weeks and months. What our country has been through because of the coronavirus pandemic, COVID-19. So many hundreds of thousands of confirmed cases here in the United States and throughout the world. So much death, so much despair, gloom. But we become mindful of human death and the frailty. How life it's so frail and fragile these earthly, these temporal bodies are. Read Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Read verse 18. The things we see are temporal things. The things we cannot see are eternal things. And when we see each other, what does that tell us? It tells us that these bodies are temporal. They're not eternal because our bodies are going to be fat. These earthly bodies are going to be fashioned like the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. James chapter 4 says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanish away. And here in central Pennsylvania on a cold winter day, we, we understand that. We understand that the vapor of our air, of our breath, it dissipates. Or the exhaust from a car, it's there and it's gone. And James is saying that's what our life is. Because of what is going on with COVID-19 here locally, in our country, throughout the world. I think people are being confronted with the frailty. How fragile these earthly bodies are. The temporariness of of human life. how, How temporal it is. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior? Do you have the... Listen, this is so important. And not just because of COVID-19. We, we really should understand. We have no physical promises. Life can change in a split second. We can be here and we would be gone. So these questions I'm asking, how serious, how important it is. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Do you have the absolute assurance of your salvation? Do you know where your death will lead you? Will it lead you to the eternal heaven, absent from the body or present with the Lord or to the eternal hell, eternally separated from God in hell? The only way of salvation, the only way of salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ and that by faith alone in Him. Romans chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. Now to him that worketh the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justified the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Again, you notice the gospel here. To the per- verse 5, to the person who literally stops working, but believeth on him that justified and again the word justified means to be declared righteous the moment you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior God imputes to you the very righteousness the very holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ and think of the three imputations in scripture Adam's sin imputed to our account our sin imputed to Christ Second Corinthians: he who, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And Christ's righteousness imputed to us. So when God sees us, He sees Christ in us, the hope of glory. If you're unsaved, if you, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know the Lord is your personal Savior, if you don't have the absolute assurance of salvation, if you think your good works are going to save you, or water baptism is going to save you, the only way of salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ, what He has done for us. The unsaved, your message is very simple today. This is a glorious day. It's a glorious day even in the midst of what's going on in our country and how we you know, are shut in and how we have concerns here in our own county dealing with COVID-19 in our state, in our country. And we see and know the, the confirmed cases dealing with them, dealing with the rise of the death toll. But it's a glorious day because of the Christian hope. Do you have that hope? if you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, if you don't have the assurance of salvation, if you think your good works are religion, praying, going to church is going to save you, there is only one way. And that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's my prayer that amidst all of this death and despair and the gloom that we've been dealing with, that you will come on this day on the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ to come to know Him as your personal Savior. Won't you right now, right where you're at, whether you're listening to some car or at home, believe and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. God will save you right then and there, right now. And He'll give you that assurance of salvation that if death were to come, it's absent from the body and present with the Lord. If the Lord will return, what a glorious hope that we have. Because believers, what a glorious hope that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been said, hope with Christ. It's endless. Because God is giving to us His eternal life. But without Christ, it's a hopeless end. Truly, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior? Won't you trust and believe Him right now, right where you're at, and for the Christians? What a glorious hope that we have. What a glorious truth. We celebrate. We we serve, not a risen Savior. We serve the risen Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, who was raised. And again, think of the word raised, perfect tense. He was raised at a point in time and He continues to be raised. He died once. He was buried once. He's resurrected. He never died again. The completion of salvation through the shedding of His blood. And we have a glorious future knowing that He is going to change and fashion these like bodies unto His body of glory. And in heaven there's going to be no death. There's going to be no COVID-19. There's going to be no blood disease to spend eternity with Him. What a glorious future we have. And I pray that as you're listening, that you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. And if you don't, that you will trust Him right now, right where you're at. And for Christians, rejoice in today. Rejoice in the Christian hope that we have that was made possible through our Lord Jesus Christ and His resurrection. What a glorious hope, truly, that we have. You have been listening to the Altoona Bible Church. We trust you've received a real spiritual blessing from this service. It is our prayerful desire that you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So until we meet again by radio, this is Pastor Stuart McClellan from the Altoona Bible Church Wish you God's best for now and for all eternity.